Uh, season of uh, just trying to keep an ear to the ground and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Jesus is worthy. Jesus is coming back soon. Yes, amen. And, and I do wanna be found ready. I want us to be found ready and I wanna hear what the Lord is saying, what, what he's speaking into our hearts. So I asked some folks just to pray, just to listen to what the Lord said. And Lydia, come up here if you would. Lydia said something to me that I wanted to jump off of tonight with a word that's on my heart. And she's just going to share what, what she heard. Lydia, who gets to work with me every day in the office, and she gets to deal with this all the time. And uh, poor girl, she's so patient. But share with us, sister. Um, so I was just praying and asking the Lord what he had. And I saw a dam. And it was so full of water that the dam was bowing out and it was about to break. And he was just asking him what that was. And I feel like he's going to release so much for us. He has so much and he's ready to give it to us. And we just have to keep waiting. We're almost there and it's just about to break and it's gonna be so good. And then I saw, I was had a documentary plane and it was these planes flying over and bombing this place and the enemy was dug in there and he was stuck. And so I was just asking the Lord about that and felt like our prayers are the planes going in and bombing where the enemy is dug in and our prayers are accomplishing things. And so what's next is just that we need to go in and we need to chase the enemy out and take the territory that he has led us, has called us to take. And that's just us moving in. Yeah, and, and I think the phrase you used was ground troops, right? Yeah. You said the planes have come over and the planes are important. They're doing the, the bombing, but now it's time for the ground troops to move in to get the enemy out of the bunker there. So thank you for sharing that, sister. Um, yeah, so this is a season of preparation. I was, I was just talking to a pastor out in West Wichita. He said the Lord woke him up uh, three o'clock in the morning the other day and just with the word prepare, prepare, prepare. And um, my wife had just given me a word here uh, a, a couple of weeks ago about preparing the nets. Jesus was actually preparing the nets and mending the nets. And, and I believe there's such a great catch coming in that if we're not ready for it, if we're not prepared, those nets will rip underneath the strain and the stress of that massive catch. And so... And when we hear the word prepare, I don't know if you're like me, but I was a Y2K kid. So I heard get peanut butter and guns and you know, get a missile silo that you make into a house. And then you're prepared, right? And then we're ready. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see what Jesus is saying in, in this compared to, I don't see those two lining up in the Bible. But what I do see is, is prepare and make sure you have oil and prepare and make sure you're ready for the end, end times harvest that's coming in and, and, uh, and be looking and be watching in prayer. And that's what I believe the Lord's saying. Yes, we prepare. We, we have some extra food on the shelves for emergencies and all that kind of stuff. But 99.9% .9 of that word is prepare your hearts for what's coming because there is new wine coming. We've been praying for it, yes? And there has to be a new wine skin. Why? Because the Lord cares about the wine and he cares about the wine skin. And he doesn't want the wine skin to burst and the new wine to fall all over the ground. And so a new wine skin is being prepared right now for us. Are we staying in step with that? And the Lord says, prepare your hearts for the new wineskin. I was just telling a brother yesterday, when the revival comes, 
And when the fish start jumping into the net, remember Peter had fished all night. Jesus says, throw your net on the other side. He's like, ah, okay, we're tired, but at your word, I'll let down the net. They had to have help to get the fish in. So when we pray for fish to come into the net, I don't know if we know what we're asking for. The Lord says, you gotta have a, a, a different mindset about the wineskin that's gonna be required to handle all those fish. Meaning this, there's 30 churches in El Dorado, supposedly, with 30 different pastors over 30 different churches. There's really one church in El Dorado. But who are we to think that 30 buildings this size or smaller or some bigger are enough to hold the in-gathering. And 30 shepherds are not enough to steward and shepherd that many people. No, I need 300 churches that are called homes that look like living rooms and 300 shepherds that look like living room prayer leader, pastor leader, guys, house church leaders that are able to shepherd that many people. Amen? Isn't that kind of more what it looks like? Yes, there's going to be equipping meetings and there'll be lead elders and all that kind of stuff. But no, there's a new wine coming for the church and we have to be ready for it. So when we're, I just want to remind you when we're praying for the, the in-gathering, that's what I believe it's going to look like. Lizzie prayed, send fish into our nets. Lord, send fish into our nets. And I think it was two days later. I don't know, a few days later, we walk into our apartment building. We always have to walk through a cloud of smoke when we walk through our apartment building because the smokers just like to smoke right in front of our apartments. It's awesome. Um, and we walk in late from my mom's house at a deal, and there's a young girl standing beside our door. I said, hi, who are you? And she says, my name's Mary. Nice to meet you. I'm Jonathan's my wife, Lizzie. We're, we're putting our kids down. So what brought you here? And she started crying. And she said, I live up on third floor, and I'm a Christian, and I have really bad suicidal thoughts. It's been really bad lately. And I was just in my bathroom and some voice spoke in my head and said, go downstairs and knock on apartment 100. Knock on the door at apartment 100. So she's been standing there for 15, 20 minutes waiting on us to come home. So I said, okay, well, come in, Mary. Love you, good to have you here. So we bring her in, her little brother was there with her too. And we just got the chance, and Lydia was with us, to minister to her for 45 minutes or so and just bless her. I don't know what's gonna become of that. We just blessed her and we invite her over for dinner and just do life with her. But I'm telling you, that's a first fruits. That's a first fruits. It, the, the, the yoke is easy, the burden is light. And there are religious systems out there that say, if you do not knock on 12 doors a day and share the gospel, you're not being a hard enough working Christian. And I've been under the weight of that sometimes. That's a heavy weight to carry. Bless those people who are called out to, to go and do that. I got a different race to run. For me, I, I don't have that in me to do it. I've done that a time or two or three in the past, but that's not my regular thing. But I'm telling you, everybody is called to say yes to when the fish jump in the net. Everybody needs to have an answer, needs to be able to share oil and bless them with Christ Jesus when they come. Are you ready? Are you ready for the knock on your door? Because it's coming. Are you, what are you gonna do with those people? Are you ready to bring them in and feed them and clothe them and bless them and give them money and bind up their wounds and it's coming. I'm preaching to the choir. I know you guys know this, but I'm telling you, the fish are coming into the nets and we have to be ready for it. 
So prepare the nets. I said in July of 2020, I was sitting here, Teresa Long, heard the word buckle up. And man, I just went off on that. I started talking about Jonathan and his armor bearer and they climbed the hill. There's only two swords that the Israelite army had, Saul and Jonathan. And they routed the Philistines because they obeyed the prophetic call of the Lord. Jonathan stood up in boldness and what seemed like it was gonna be a devastating defeat with tens of thousands of Philistines coming against them and they had no weapons, the Israelites did. It turned into a rout of the Philistines. Why? Because a great fear came upon the Philistines because an earthquake, or earthquake came from the Lord and they turned on each other and they killed each other with their own swords. The Lord didn't need any extra swords. The Philistines were carrying all that he needed and he wiped out the enemy. So, Psalms 89, if you would go there with me. This is why I think this is so fitting that it's a small crowd here tonight because of what I want to do. Psalms 89, starting in verse 15. Blessed or happy or fortunate or to be envied are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They, these people, these types of people, celebrate your righteousness. Why do they do all of this? For you are their glory and their strength. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Blessed or happy or fortunate or to be envied are those who have learned to do something. They have learned to acclaim you, is what the NIV says. The ESV says, blessed are those who know the festal shout. Expanded says, blessed are those who know how to shout to you. And Christian Standard says, blessed are those who know the joyful shout. Blessed are the people who know or have learned through experience what it means to acclaim. And acclaim in English means a loud, eager expression of approval or praise, overwhelming affirmation by cheers and shouts of applause. Blessed are the people who know how to do that, to, who have learned how to acclaim. Hebrew says it cooler. Teruah is the Hebrew there, that word shout. Teruah means alarm, shout, blast of war, battle cry, sound of the tempest, a blast of joy, jubilee, a shout of triumph over enemies. The word teruah is used as an example in Joshua chapter 6. You remember when they were surrounding the city of Jericho. And God says, when you, when you go around to the seventh time, I want you, everybody has to let out a great teruah, a great shout. And then at the sound of the trumpet, they're going to do that and the walls are going to fall down. And so after the seventh time in verse 20, 
It says, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at that sound of the trumpet, when men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed and everyone charged straight into the city and took possession of what was theirs. Isn't that cool? Blessed are the people who have learned to do that, to shout over their enemies, to proclaim that the victory has already been won, even though the wall's still there. It doesn't look like it. What kind of craziness is that with your little ram's horn and marching around seven times? You guys seen VeggieTales with the peas on top of the wall? Keep walking. Your brains are very small because you keep walking around this wall. I mean, come on, common sense says the wall's still there. What are you doing against this thing? Or it's like, no, 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 blessed, happy, fortunate, or to be envied are the people that have learned that shout. Those are the people who walk in the light of the presence of the Lord. Isn't that so good? I always picture this as being like a lampshade and there's like this, this, this light like 10 feet around me in a, in a diameter around me. And everywhere I go, it's darkness all around me. But in that little lampshade, I stay in the light. And I just learn as I abide and I stay and I rest and, and I learn to walk in my victory that I stay in the light no matter what's around me. Why? Why do we shout? Why do we rejoice in the name of the Lord all day long? Why do we celebrate all the day long? Well, think with me for a moment about why you celebrate or shout or do anything like that. Anybody go to the Chiefs championship game last year? Probably most of you went to that. Okay, so why do we do that? Why do we go out there in the cold and then stand up and do that when our team wins. Because their glory is our glory, kind of. I mean, we don't get paid $50 million, you know, but I mean, the, the glory of the winning team is like, I'm a part of that. Yes. Rah! Sports. <laughs> and it doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. Go to work Monday and nothing in your life has changed. Worthless. Watch sports. I'm not against sports, but come on. Make an idol out of that. Parents, why do you do that when your child walks across the stage at high school? Why do you shout at that graduation? Because their glory is yours. You're like, I feel so good about this. I'm rejoicing with you, child. Get out of my house. I paid for you my whole life and now move on and I'm rejoicing with you. Why do kids do this at Christmas when they're opening gifts? Just bursting with excitement and the anticipation is built up. And it's like, just what I wanted? Yes! Scream, scream, scream. Their joy is overflowing in a shout. Why do lottery winners shout? Because they think that every problem in the world just got solved. And now they're rich and free from worry. Little do they know. But that's what they think. That's why they jump up and down and shout, come on, are you gonna tell me that this junk that actually doesn't mean anything, I'm not saying your kids are junk, uh, this stuff that's just temporary is, not, is, is comparable to shouting for the living God? Like, it's, it's awkward if you're sitting in a stadium with 60,000 people and you're the only one that stands up, you're like, yay! Uh, 
No one around you is doing that. But when 60,000 other people stand up with you and there's this giant roar, there's momentum, right? There's a large shout and it actually speaks into the heavenly realm in Joshua 6 and it shakes the walls. And a loud shout actually puts the enemies to rout and there's actually a crumbling of the work of the enemy when we do this together. You guys know what we're going to do here in just a minute. Woo! We've got to get out of our kind of Midwestern American comfort zone a little bit. We did this at house church a little while ago, a few weeks ago, and the kids all freaked out because they were back in the back and they thought, you know, the, the place was burning down or something like that. It was so much fun. But before we do that, look with me in Isaiah chapter 12. Why do we do this? This is so good. This is so good. And I was, I was sitting there... Uh, my sister-in-law Hannah came over yesterday and we were making dinner for the kids and, and uh, there was like a, there's just, I had, we we're making lunch and I had to go to work and I had a lot of stuff on my mind and what did I do, Hannah? I, I just said, the joy of the Lord is what? And all the kids go, our strength. I'm like, yeah, God is good all the time, amen? And they're like, yeah, he's good. Well, I'm not doing that for the kids and Hannah, I'm doing that for myself, right? Because I got stuff on my mind. And so I'm like speaking the truth and I'm reminding myself, God is good, it's gonna be okay, nothing to worry about, nothing to fear. I'm shouting without using the volume. I'm saying out loud what the truth is. Isaiah chapter 12, what a high and holy chapter this is. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation, and I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. Come on, the Lord himself, the one who holds seven stars in his hand, he is my strength, he is my defense. What's gonna touch me? You think that financial, that bill, that problem with that in-law or that problem with that relation, you think that's gonna touch you? He's your defense, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord. Why? For he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Why do we shout? Because God is great among us for everything that he has done. Last one, Zephaniah chapter three. Zephaniah 3.14, I think we have it up there. Sing, sing, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. Why? Because the Lord has taken away your punishment. Isn't that so good? There's a reason to shout all the time. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. It does not matter our circumstances. Charles Spurgeon said this about this little passage, shouting unto the Lord. There is no hour in the day and no day in our life in which we may not rejoice in the name and the person and the character of the Lord. We need no other reason for rejoicing. Nothing is needed. At the graveside, 
or at the wedding party, he's the same. And he is worthy of rejoicing because he's taken away our punishment. Because the Lord himself is great among us, Isaiah 12, because Psalms 89 says he's our glory and he's our strength. So let's stand up. Now I'm going to ask you guys to shout with me and we'll see how long this goes. But when we shout, I'm going to ask you to proclaim into the heavenly realms as loud as you can, Korean style, what the Lord has done for you. And do not worry about who hears you or who doesn't hear you. Because we're going to learn to acclaim together. We're going to learn to shout together because I want you all to be blessed, blessed, fortunate, happy are people who learn how to do this. Okay, are you ready, church? On your marks, get set, go! Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord! Praise your name, God, for all that you have done. Come on, lift it up, church! Lift it up, church! Yes, God! Glory over the enemies, God! You rule and reign, God. Bless your name. Yes, Lord. Good job, guys. We got seven seconds out of it. Good job. We stretched our lungs a little bit. That's good. That's good. There's more of that to come. Let's all have a seat. Let's all have a seat. You know, that's an awkward thing to do because we don't practice it very often. I want to encourage you to do it more and more often. And you don't necessarily have to stand at your desk and do that, right, Lydia? But every day, Lydia knows, I come in there, and what do I do, Lydia? Lydia, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, amen? And she goes, yes, boss. (laughs) And an hour later, I come in there, I'm like, it's gonna be great, Lydia. It's gonna be great. We're almost home. Just a few more minutes and we're going to be home with Jesus. Amen. She goes, amen. Why am I doing that? Because she's not like a, a lost wandering sheep that I need. To, I'm reminding myself. And I got a believer in the office next door that I can agree with. I do this all day, every day with my sweet wife at home. Practice, learn. I'm a blessed man because I've learned to do this. I want to invite you to do it with me. I'm going to finish up with this. John 17. John chapter 17, the very last verse. Jesus prays this high and holy prayer for unity in the church. He's praying that joy would be in his people. My goodness. With the joy, all the joy that's in me, he says, I want the full measure of my joy in verse 13 of chapter 17 to be in them. Man, what's that like? To have the full measure of Christ's joy in us? That messes people up when they see you without much joy. Verse 26. I have made you, Father, known to them. And I will continue to make you known. 
in order that the love that you, Father, have for me, Jesus, may be in them, in the church, and that I myself may be in them. Let me read it one more time. I have made you known to them, to these disciples, and I will continue to make you known to disciples in order that, so that, the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus has a continuing ministry today. Did you know that? From the throne room, he is continuing today and every day to make the Father's heart known to us. That's what he's doing right now. Jesus says, previous to this, if you've seen me, who have you seen? Father. If you know me, who do you know? Father. Because we're one and the same. Our character is the same. And Jesus says, I've made you known to them because he's displayed himself to us. We've known the Father through Jesus. And I, even after I go, by the work of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to continue to make the Father's heart known to you and to me. Why? Why would that be an agenda item on Jesus's list? And he says it right here. So that the love that the Father has for Jesus would be the same love that we have for Jesus. How do I know that I'm growing in revelation of the Father? My affection for Jesus is getting higher and higher and higher and more pervasive in my life. Jesus is becoming everything to me. I feel my heart affection stirred up for him. I want to see him pleased. I, I, I want to I just know exactly what he wants for me this day, this hour, this moment. The Lord is being revealed to me by Jesus and because of that, my love for Jesus is growing. Where's your love for Jesus? Is it growing? If not, I would encourage you to say, Father, Reveal yourself to me. Jesus will reveal. Jesus says, I will continue to make it known. You agree with this prayer? Oh man, there's heat on this prayer. I'll continue to make it known, Jesus. And you say, Jesus, continue to reveal the Father's heart to me today. I'll wanna know more, God. So what do we do? How do we do this? And I just read yesterday in one of my favorite devotionals, Streams in the Desert, and I'll just read it to you. It says this, and I'll finish here. Waiting upon God is vital in order to see him and receive a vision from him. And the amount of time spent before him is also critical. For our hearts are like a, a photographer's film. The longer the film is exposed, the deeper the impression. For God's vision to be impressed on our hearts, we must sit in stillness at his feet for quite a long time. Remember, the troubled surface of a lake will not reflect an image. Our lives must be quiet and peaceful if we expect to see God. And the vision we see from him has the power to affect our lives in the same way a lovely sunset brings peace to a troubled heart. Seeing God always transforms a human life. I was so struck by that simple metaphor about a 
photographer's film, the longer it sits there, the more deep that impression is. And those who behold his face become more and more like him. How you doing with your alone time with Jesus? Notice I didn't ask how you doing reading your Bible. How you doing just sitting in his presence? Yes, with the word. In his presence, just enjoying him. Letting him speak into your heart. That's the sweet spot. Jesus wants to continue to make the father's heart known because he's actually increasing love in our heart for Jesus. And as Luke Beale says, lovers outwork workers every time. So may, may we be lovers of Jesus and may he increase the oil in this midnight hour. So Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would pour out revelation of your heart, that the love that you have for Jesus might be in us. We want to know your joy. We want to know what it means to live over the top of our circumstances and not underneath. But we're weak and weary and we pray that you would bring us revelation about this. I thank you tonight for testimonies. I thank you tonight for answers to prayer. I thank you for what you're going to do even tonight during our time of prayer and praise and worship here, God. We confess you are the lovely one. There is no one like you, Jesus. Can you just tell him from your hearts? Here, before we leave, just a moment longer here. Can you just tell him from your hearts? Jesus, you are worthy. I love you. Just set your affection on him. Just cast the eyes of your heart to him and say, Jesus, my beloved. I am my beloved's and he is mine. I don't love you like I should to. I don't love you like I should or want to, Lord, but would you increase the love in my heart, my affection for you? I've got a lamp, but the oil is run dry and I want more. Whatever the cost, just say, Lord, that you would show me how do I buy oil? And we'd shut off the entertainment or we'd say no to the next thing or we'd get up a little earlier and we'd just sit in your presence, God. May we be a people transformed like that still surface of the lake that reflects your image, God. I thank you, Father, for your commands that are not burdensome tonight. I pray that you would teach everyone what it means to walk under those. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.